Are the Bucks back? Happy Thursday, everybody. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills. We are back in for Mr. Michaels. Grant, is all is all right with the world? Is everything okay? Are the Bucks totally back? I'm so happy, Ben. As a Bucks fan, <laughs> was happy last night. Yes. But as a radio man and as someone knowing that we had to host a show today, <laughs> like there's so much that I want to talk about. We do a little draft stuff, little brewers, and the CJ Stroud story is wild. And it's something that's right up your alley. And if the Bucks would have lost last night, we just would have had to talk about that and panic level and a blame meter. Who are we blaming? And we're yelling about Coach Bud, and I'm just glad we don't have to do any of that today. Oh, is Coach Bud the right guy to get the Bucks over the top? We almost had to do that again, Grant. That's the old sucked. that's the old can Gonzaga make a final four? Or even when they do, you still have to ask if they could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never proven. But uh, great win for the Bucks last night, 138 to 122. It was an 8 o'clock game on NBA TV. Here's where I want to start with this game. Thank you to the Bucks. On behalf of myself, an old soul that does not like to stay up very late, for not needing the second half to matter at all. I enjoyed my little taste of Gus Johnson watching on NBA TV, but the game was over by halftime, 81-55, a 24-2 run in the second quarter, uh, and then the, the second half just was what it was. A great performance, a great answer when we talk about what happened uh, on Sunday in game one. Obviously, no Giannis. They scored 138 points. It is the most, uh, without Giannis, that is, the most points in a game by a team without their leading scorer from the regular season in NBA postseason history. So some records there. Where do we start with the performance, Grant? I, I mean, it's it's the response. It's top to bottom. It's the whole team. What stuck out to you? What's the, what's the big story from the game? Well, they hit a million threes. And I, I don't like to boil these playoff games down to just three-point shooting because that's kind of reductive and it's kind of lame, right? There's so much that happens in these games and it bothers me a little bit sometimes when I turn on a radio show or a podcast. Well, to make or miss league, you know, the Heat shot such and such percent and the Bucks, that'll that'll come back down to earth. I, I don't know. I, I'm i a romantic, I guess. I'd like to think there's more to these games than simple three-point shooting percentages, but when you make 25 threes, it's pretty hard to lose a basketball game to the Miami Heat who were in the play-in, and they were facing elimination in the play-in. So it starts with the three-point shooting. The energy early was just really good. Probably talk about Brooke Lopez, too. The adjustments that the Bucks make under Bud from game one to game two are hilarious, Ben. And, and maybe you noticed this in the first quarter last night, too. It's like, oh, they realized that 6'5 Max Drews can't cover Brooke. What a, what, a, what a discovery we've made. And they're just spamming it to him. Brooke had, I think, like 14, 15 points in the first quarter on almost perfect shooting seven of nine. I found it in my notes. It's just the adjustments with coach butter funny. They'll play a dumb game in game one. And then game two, it's like, they, it's like, Oh my God, we figured it out. All of the things that everyone was tweeting about and all the things that are really obvious. We started to put it together. Oh, it kind of, well, it's a, it's a Joe Barry concept from the first to yeah. second half of the Packers season. It makes you wonder what they do in game one, right? Because even well, when Giannis goes down, and Giannis went down in game one when the Bucks were down 12 and the Heat were shooting the lights out. So there could be something there of the Bucks thinking, okay, we actually have to shoot our way back into this. Yeah. But to be able to take a step back, have a couple days off, have a 
have time to prepare for a game where you know or you figure Giannis wouldn't be available or a good chance of that and to come out with that game plan. That's why I start with Coach Bud, right? Because they shoot the lights out from three and the Heat kind of regressed to the mean. They didn't have their same crazy three-point shooting night. But when you get five of six from deep from Mr. Ingles off the bench, hitting his, like, when he has the ball, you know he's going to shoot. And you yeah. wonder how defenders just can't <clears throat> prevent him from shooting. But he just does a little dribble and then fades a different direction and gets the shot off. I love watching him shoot the basketball. But then Pat Connaughton with 6 of 10 from off the bench, all that stuff happens. But to me, at least, that doesn't happen without coming out of the gates hot with easy buckets. Yeah, That's the old, if you're a shooter, how do you get yourself going? Make a couple free throws. Make a couple layups. See the ball go through the hoop. The fact that Coach Bud got the team ready to come out with a very effective game plan to get a lead and to not allow any tightness to set in, I think just led to all of the gates, uh, you know, all the damn breaking when it comes to the shooting. So I was very impressed with it. I mean, I think the story just starts Bud. And then obviously, like it's a, to me at least, this series is a, even without Giannis, the Bucks are better. It's on the players to win. And then top to bottom, everybody did it. And I'll, I'll defend Coach Bud a little bit over game ones. The Bucks typically don't play well in game ones, and it, they make adjustments afterwards that seem obvious. Like, why didn't you do this before? There are lots of good teams and good coaches and good players who use game one as a feel-out game. LeBron is notorious for this, right? He doesn't overexert himself. I think Nick Wright on FS1 the other day called it the feel-out game in game one, which I thought was hilarious. I'd never heard that before. But it's not like other teams don't feel things out in game one. The Bucs are also a team, they're wired in such a way and they're built in such a way where I think they get better as the series goes along because they beat you up. Like Bobby Portis is throwing elbows and Brooke Lopez is big and Giannis is physical and Drew just dogs you on, on both ends of the floor. So I, I think it's not just Bud. I think the Bucks are a team for a million different reasons that they get better as the series goes along. The decision to start Bobby Portis and lean into him rather than maybe starting Joe Ingles or stating or starting Jay Crowder. Maybe you want to go defense starting Bobby Portis and using him as a spark plug to make sure that energy was there early. I, I thought was brilliant. And you got to give coach bud credit for that. I was going to lose it when Bobby Portis almost technical himself out of the game. He only got one, which is fine. It was a very unnecessary tech. Should they have called it? I don't know, but had that somehow been more, or if there was another tech to follow, I might've lost it today. Well, and Chris Middleton is, like, the team's official Bobby Portis, like, what would the word be? Liaison. Like, if you go back <laughs> and you watch game six against the Suns and you watch the highlights, like, Bobby Portis got tagged with kind of a tough call in the fourth quarter. The Bucks are, like, up seven, eight. They're so close. And Bobby Portis gets teed up, and Chris Middleton gets in his face. He's like, bro, we're trying to win an NBA Finals here. Can you stop with the BS? And, like, that always has seeming... It's been Chris's role. He was kind of talking with Bobby last night, too, after he got teed up. But part of that is necessary. Like, Bobby Portis was looking to kill Kevin Love, I think. There were a couple of plays where just shoved him in the back, crashed him hard on an offensive rebound. Like, he was just going after people. And I, I think you need a little bit of that. And, and Ben Kenny, I would rather my player be like Bobby Portis, aggressive and in your face and very obvious that he is looking to beat you up, rather than, like, 
doing some sneaky Kyle Lowry crap or DeMontis Sabonis, like, <laughs> grab the ankle. Like, if you're out there trying to create problems and be a jerk, I want you to be honest about it. And Draymond Green. Portis credit for that. Yeah. Stepping on yeah. dudes. Things of that nature. Yeah. To that extent. Uh, yeah, yeah. But great crowd down at, at the uh, at the Pfizer Forum last night. It's, it is it is very easy to get going when your team goes on a 24-2 to run and they're hitting heat checks. Like it, they had, they had Joe Ingles pulling up from four feet behind the line as a collective heat yeah. check, and then I think it was Brooke Lopez pulled up from the logo. It's like, yo, yeah. I know you're hot, but come on. Uh, well, that's they they were having fun. And one more person and and storyline we should probably shout out is Pat Connaughton, who didn't play in game one and gets a chance in game two. Giannis is hurt, and I just don't know if this is a great Jay Crowder series. We'll have to see. I think he's better cut out for maybe a series against Boston. We'll see. Could be wrong. But Pat Connaughton gets a shot last night, and I'm not kidding you, Ben Kenny. I'm not kidding. Watching, and Pat Connaughton drives from the right elbow, lays it in, right, gets that layup. And I thought, all right, see it go through the hoop. You have a little positivity here. Let's, can you do anything with this? And then the shots started to fall for Pat. So you never know how that first bucket, that first opportunity is going to play and what that's going to turn into. And, and Pat really took that and ran with it last night. Yeah, great game from him coming off the bench. They had, I mean, crazy production from the bench with mainly Connaughton and Ingles. I want to get to this when we when we come back and start the next segment. I have mm-hmm. audio from Drew Holiday talking about what he said to Giannis when he learned that that Giannis wasn't going to be playing and to calm him down to to install some confidence that the guys would get it done. Charles Barkley had some comments. We'll hear a little later in the hour. He joined in on the Giannis versus Hero, who's more important discussion, which it's a hilarious minute of television because I I listened to it and my brain was in a pretzel. So I'm excited okay. to play that coming up a little later in the hour. Uh, I have a Giannis Tyler Hero talking point as well that I would like to get to it at some point. Something to add. So when I when I look at the game though, overall, like what's the story to me? The story is a championship caliber team, a championship team responding like a championship team does where many teams in you go across sports would get punched in the mouth in game one and come out with the same tightness in game two or a same type of we're expected to do all this, our stars out and it doesn't all run perfectly. That was obviously the complete opposite of what happened in last night's game. It was a championship response, but who who do we credit the most for that? Who deserves the most credit for the blowout, for the splattering last night and the Bucks win? Uh, I think Coach Bud is a piece of that, and this isn't necessarily my answer. I'm curious to hear what you have to think, and then 877-867-1670 if you want to chime in. Coach Bud uh, is a piece of that. Brooke Lopez, I would say as well, just for getting the ball rolling being the presence, being the guy that, that, I mean, being one of, if not the best player on the court last night, um, the bench, like you mentioned with Ingles and Connaughton and the name I would go with, which we haven't mentioned yet is drew holiday where I think he was the best player on the court last night in a game where you needed a obviously non Giannis player to be that he was up in Jimmy Butler's face for a lot of the night. And we didn't see it really negatively affect the offense. Uh, I know he finished 10 and 19, but in the first half he had what 19 or 17 of his 24 points when the game was still being decided. He was that deciding factor. So a lot of different ways you could go. Where would you start? Who deserves the most credit for, for the big win? 
Well, if we're talking about Drew Holiday, there's a couple different parts of his game. You just want to talk about his game. Drew Holiday has 27 assists through the first two games of the series. He's been finding guys, setting guys up, and you need to give Drew Holiday credit for his passing last night, a night where the Bucks hit so many threes. Part of that is the passing, like finding guys who are open beyond the three-point line, and the three-point shooting set the tone last night, helped the Bucks win, helped charge up the team. Drew Holiday's passing was a part of that. I love Drew because he's not vocal. He's not like Bobby Portis, someone who's going to scream and yell and pump up the crowd. Drew Holiday is quiet. He's soft-spoken. But he is, dare I say, him. I think that that phrase kind of died when Austin said it. I'm out. Can I just say this? I I understand what you're trying to say. I'm out. I am categorically out on that phrase. He carries so much respect from his teammates and from other players in the league, too, like the Athletic did their annual uh, survey, their anonymous player survey, where they ask players a million questions, and then they show the results. They asked all the players, 98 votes, who's the best defender in the league? Drew Holiday got 28% of the vote. Next was 11. Like, he ran away with it. He also won most underrated player. Like, Drew Holiday carries so much respect. And because he's not very vocal, I, I don't think we always see it, so... I think he plays such a big job setting the tone in the locker room and, and setting the court and leading by example. And I, I don't think because he's quiet, he often gets enough credit for that. Yeah, he was incredible. And I, I like the point of sometimes when he's asked to do a lot on defense, it can affect his offense. Not to say he is a poor player then. It just he isn't amazing on both sides. But last night, again, in the first half, when the game was still being decided, he was. And he was making all the plays some of the passes, you just you wonder where they come from. And then it results in in buckets. So a great game for Drew Holiday last night. Uh, it, it did feel like as soon as the run started and they were hitting threes, it was also just a play here, a play there from Holiday that, that kept it all going. And that's what you need. We talk about Giannis going out. It's how can the sum of the parts step up and fill the void that Giannis leaves on both sides of the court. So great game for the Bucks. Great game for Drew Holiday. 877-867-1670. We could take your reaction to it. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels today. When we come back, you will hear from Drew Holiday. What did he have to say after the game? What was the message to Giannis? Uh, and we'll get into who deserves the most credit for the big win last night, as well as a lot more to come today. Uh, hanging out with you until 2 o'clock. It's Ben Kenny. It's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome in. It is the Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills. We are back. For those joining us on the network, welcome. Happy Thursday. Big Bucks win last night over the Heat. Game was over by halftime. I'm thrilled. I got to go to sleep. Didn't need to stay up until the wee hours of really not that late. I was just tired. So I went to sleep because the game was decided. But big win. You can take your calls on that. Who deserves the most credit for the win? Is it is it Coach Bud, Drew Holiday, the bench and shooting, Brooke Lopez, that Twitter pulls up at Ben Z. Kenny, still over 50% say the bench and shooting 
deserve the most credit for the win. So we'll check in on that. Uh, we can keep talking Bucks, Grant, I wanted to throw in this, though. Yes. When, when we were in on Monday, there was – I actually purposely tried to not say the name Aaron Rodgers until as deep into the show as I could, and I made it to 110 p.m., mm-hmm. which I think uh, should be awarded, should be somewhat pretty commended. impressive. Uh, today, that's not going to happen. Okay. I want to preface all of it by saying there are no new Aaron Rodgers updates. None of this matters. None of it. Just so we're clear. Because the draft's a week away, right? And we figure, hopefully it'll get, like, that's the deadline. Hopefully it'll get done near the draft before day two. There are no new Rodgers updates. None of this matters. There were some, I would say fake. the, The journalist in me looked at some of the Rodgers Titan stuff this week. It was all from just one person said it that they heard it. Another person quoted that person. And then the quote telephone line just kept going and going. I don't see those as true at all. But there is the 49ers stuff. And again, I don't see this as a real update. But Trey Lance, the report from earlier in the week, the Niners are shopping Trey Lance they are looking to move him. The Vikings were mentioned. I saw the Titans. People like the Titans as a fit for Lance. They're moving Lance. Brock Purdy is not going to be ready for the season. It doesn't sound like. And he's Brock Purdy, and I still have reservations. And then they have Sam Darnold out there. But if they're shopping Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy's not going to be ready, everyone's jumping to the conclusion that they are going to go after Rodgers. That's what's going on. Uh was that your first thought when you saw the the Lance rumor? Because it definitely was not mine. No, but my first thought with the Lance rumor, and I think I I might have texted you this, and I'm glad that the Bucks won last night because I want to talk about this. I think this is a really interesting story. Really quickly, just to tell me if I'm wrong here, Ben. The Niners got Jimmy G, who is a professional, who is not terrible, and then they realized, okay, we need better than not terrible. We need someone who's the next level and someone who can stay healthy because Jimmy G gets hurt. So they draft Trey Lance, a project, but a guy with a high ceiling. He hasn't really had a chance to play in two years. And now they're going to throw that away because they think Brock Purdy is the guy. Like Brock Purdy's not, I, I don't know. I see Michael Silver and other NFL West Coast Niners based NFL people. Oh, Brock Purdy, it's his job. He earned it. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. If I was the Niners, I'm not giving up on Trey Lance. No way. Absolutely not. I would heavily consider it. Do you want to know why he hasn't gotten a shot to really start? Well, he got hurt last year. He's been injured for like half of his career. Yeah, but they also drafted him. Which draft was he in again? Two years, three years ago. So was he the Jordan Love draft? He was in the 2021. No, the Mac Jones to. uh... No. Mac Jones. He was was always going to be a project, though. Like, he wasn't drafted as a guy who's going to play right away. I I don't know. Maybe you don't think Trey Lance is good. I just, it seems like a really dumb thing to sell low on him only to go to Brock Purdy. Well, I think that begs the question of whether just going to Brock Purdy in general is smart, which I don't really believe. I don't think relying on him is going to get them where they want to go. So you feel that maybe it's the correct thing to trade Trey Lance? 
but that doesn't mean it's the correct thing to go to Brock Purdy. You're two separate things for you. Exactly. Well, they have Sam Darnold on the roster. And, I mean, frankly, hear me. Like, if you put Sam Darnold in Shani's whole thing, his whole machine, Sam Darnold could work as well as Brock Purdy did in that. Sam Darnold looked pretty good in Carolina, second half of last year. Sam Darnold hasn't been surrounded by much throughout his career when he was on the Jets, when he went elsewhere. So, uh, I, I mean, they're moving Lance. I, I feel like they just want security because they're going to have to pay Lance sure. or not pay Lance soon. They could probably get a good amount, like the Vikings, for instance. They want to try to move on from Cousins eventually. Lance could be an easy buy low, see if he becomes something option. Uh, Who gets traded for more if both trades happen today, Trey Lance or Aaron Rodgers? Who should get traded for more or who does? Um, Answer both. What what do you think? And then also, what do you think the reality would be? Well, no, I think it's Rodgers. Just because the team trading for him is in a window and is desperate. The team trading for Lance is kind of taking him off the Niners' hands. Now, yes, I... I is this move kind of freeing up room in the quarterback room given the status of Purdy? 100%, which would lead to them. Maybe they bring in someone else. Maybe they draft somebody. I don't really know. I wasn't going to rely on, or if I were them, I wouldn't rely on, on Lance starting anyway. Um, but I wanted to play this before we get into the rest of the trade and whether Aaron Rodgers ties into it. This was yesterday, Tiki Barber on his show on WFAN in New York, talking about Rodgers and the Niners and all that's going on. Jets might be about to realize their worst nightmare ever. 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 They they, they haven't quite mortgaged their future because they haven't given anything away yet for Aaron Rodgers, Uh but they've set themselves up with the idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their starting quarterback next year, which is going to give them a chance to get to the Super Bowl and do X, Y, Z, and yada, yada, yada. But there has been this little inkling of an alternative for Aaron Rodgers. Brock Purdy is saying he's not sure he's going to play. So if the 49ers move on from Trey Lance, the other presumptive starter, and they sign Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers who were in the NFC Championship game a year ago. He would have been better than what they had last year True, in terms of Purdy going down, but I hear you. The answer is hell no. Okay. So all of this little simmering is not even like smoke coming out of this thing. It's just a little crickling of flame starting to uh, 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 burgeon up underneath the leaves about Aaron Rodgers actually going to the 49ers as a to the Jets oh, here we go. now oh. has oh. some validity because if the, if the 49ers if the, hold on if the 49ers trade Trey Lance and again the clock is probably off on him because they like Trey they like Brock Purdy better if the if they trade Trey Lance and Brock Purdy isn't available to play this year because of UCL surgery Sam Donald is not I promise you, is not starting for the 49ers. They will go get, and they're they're okay to mortgage their future because they don't care. They're not worried about losing their jobs. Uh, they've, they've done it before. They've gotten to the championship game. They've gotten deep in the playoffs, right? This team will go get Aaron Rodgers if he's available, and the Jets, the Jets, the premise that we started this with, will be stuck sitting out in the cold with their underwear on, and that's it. So there you go. That's the thought in New York. So many wrinkles. Lance really Ruber. quickly, one wrinkle. Is Sam Darnold, 
I feel like Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy are the same. That's what, that is what I've been trying to say. Okay, I agree. Is as you. soon as what's the difference between Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy right now? The difference is, aside from Purdy being hurt, is Purdy was put into the system last year, performed admirably. Some would argue maybe a, an outlier run. Maybe he was hot. There weren't like so many mistakes he made were not capitalized upon by the defense, which made everything look beautiful. But there were those plays out there. And then Darnold is obviously the stock is as low as ever, but he played pretty fine for the, again, for the Panthers at the end of the season last year, skill wise in general. I, I don't know if there's much of a difference between the two. So I think about the approach of the Niners, okay? If you're giving up a guy in Lance that you have mortgaged a lot to go get, which is saying something. Like, if you were going to give up a guy that you traded first-round picks to move up to draft, it means you feel pretty great about the guys in your room. But if Purdy is not going to start this year or to begin the season, wouldn't that tell you that they feel pretty good about Darnold? Yeah, they should. Because if they feel good about Brock Purdy, they can feel good about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, a homecoming. Sam Darnold played in California, account or not council. Sorry, it's Freudian slip. Uh, Craig Cow- Craig Cowherd. Can I start over. Colin, Colin Cowherd yes. said all throughout that draft process, a thick, trunky, coastal kid of Sam Darnold, <laughs> thick and sturdy, which is what the Niners need. Coastal. He's now back on the coast with the Niners. Yeah, I tripped over my my words and Craig Council just to make a stupid Cowherd joke from three years ago. I I just. I don't know. I don't think Brock Purdy's that good. I don't think Brock Purdy's that good. So if you're fine with Brock Purdy, you can be fine with Sam Darnold. I don't think Rodgers makes sense for them. I also wouldn't trade Trey Lance. Let him develop another year. You're not recouping what you gave up to go get him. Why would you sell that low? Well, that's another thing. There could be a reality that they are trading Trey Lance, which is what would lead me to the discussion of of Purdy versus Darnold and the Rodgers part of it, which I agree I don't think it makes any sense. But there also is the smokescreen part of it. They're saying they want to trade Trey Lance. I don't know why it would benefit them putting it out there to gauge the price or to try to drive prices of other quarterbacks differently. I don't know the exact purpose of it, but that always could be part of it. That always could be a leak that doesn't turn into reality. But in general, it does feel as though they don't trust his health. Okay. But still, moving on from a guy you've invested, I I just don't get the part of how do they trade a guy in Lance that they have invested so much in with a roster that is literally monetarily, they have investments everywhere. They they don't need a cheap quarterback, but part of the reason that their team is so damn good and getting better is because they've had a cheap quarterback. And then to go give up more assets for Rodgers for a year, maybe two, just doesn't make sense to me. Can I can I add in a, a dash of something else to this conversation? I love what we're doing here. Let me add another flavor. Let me ask you a question. At what point throughout this offseason does Aaron Rodgers start to think? Because we know Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wants to be wanted. He needs to be needed. He likes the confirmation from the organization, right? Anytime that he was asked about his future with the Packers, he'd say, well, it's a two-way street. They have to want me. They, they need to let me, right? He needs that. 
maybe I'm reaching here, but at what point does Aaron Rodgers start to get pissy with the Jets? Like, hey, you tell me you want me. You got my – what are you waiting for? Like, get me already. Like, go If you want me so much, if you need me so much for this season, why have you not done it yet? Because I, I, I don't know. That would be my first thought about Rodgers, knowing what I know about him from the last couple of years. Well, it gives him an excuse to not show up to anything. I don't think he needs an excuse. I, I, he just won't show up. Right. Like, I don't think he needs that excuse. Well, he likely wants the Jets to take a tackle at 13. And then after that's done, okay, now trade for me. But if trading for him now means they don't get the tackle at 13, that could be something that impacts the on the field. But Rodgers also did say that he intends to play for the Jets. And some are using that as the reason that he won't be a Niner. That's the part where I would say just don't take him at his word. Yeah, no kidding. Like, yeah, he (laughs) intends to play for the Jets. There are are moments where I intend to do something, and then a week later I intend to do something else. Where I'm sure, like, he has a no-trade clause adjacent. He could just retire. Yeah. Which is, like, could work the same or similar way. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure he'd be open to the Niners part of this. I just, the whole cause and effect. Okay, Niners want to trade Trey Lance. Oh, my goodness. That means they're getting Rodgers. I'm just not there. Like, it's the Jets. It's the Jets. I feel like that means they've maybe soured on Trey Lance. It doesn't all have to come back to Aaron Rodgers. I know we've been... Excuse me. I know we've been conditioned to tie everything back to Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years, but not everything is about Aaron Rodgers. Also, if they do trade for Rodgers, Purdy's done. Yeah. The whole Purdy thing's over. Vagabond John DM'd me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. He says, Brock Purdy has talent. Brock Purdy has a tremendous sophomore season and had a Heisman hype going into his junior year. You, look, you speak to Purdy in college football. <sighs> I, I just You go in the seventh round. You go in the seventh round for a reason. I just don't think he's that good. I would not I would not make drastic sweeping changes to my roster because of the way I feel about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy did have a very good sophomore year on a good Iowa State team. And then the offense kind of became somewhat anemic. But Vagamon John is comparing him to Jordan Love in that way. Well, countless quarterbacks in college have hot years where a lot of Heisman hype is handed to them. Or games, Grammerts, Spencer so, Rattler. But that's different than how they're going to work in the NFL. Where Jordan Love might have a great year one year and then come back and struggle for for a variety of reasons. But if his tools are just that different from Purdy, like they're different NFL prospects. Okay, let's let's add a, a dash of local flavor into this. Somewhat local flavor. You are Ben Kenny Kowesi Adolfa Mensa. You are general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. You're an analytics man. You're a very smart mathematical brain, reasonable man, much more than myself. If you could have Trey Lance and get him in the building in Minnesota this offseason for, let's say two seconds, a second this year and a second next year. No, that's too much. Too much. Way too much. Trey Lance at this point, a guy that's been unavailable much of his career and has had countless opportunities to beat Jimmy Garoppolo for a job in the most perfect the most perfect quarterback system you could ever be in. He's not a sure thing that as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be effective. His stock has plummeted. So that's I don't a, know that he has had chances. I, I, I don't know. His rookie year, it was never the idea that he was going to start. 
And then the second year, the, the road was cleared for him. He played one game in the rain, and then he got hurt. I would trade a third-round pick for him. Okay. I, I would maybe rather – also, you're going to have to pay him. You're only going to get a year or two before you have to pay him if you go down that route. Not to mention, Kirk Cousins is your starter this year. So he wouldn't Are you start – to pay him a lot? Probably not. But if Kirk Cousins is your starter in Minnesota – and you bring Trey Lance in, he's going to be your backup for this year to hopefully start next year, which at that point, he is, what, five, four years removed from college and still hasn't played meaningful ball? Sure. It's not that I don't think he could be something. I don't think he's worth giving up a lot of assets for. Like, he's a lottery ticket, similar-ish to Jordan Love. But Trey Lance is kind of like Jordan Love. If Jordan Love had gone through a lot of injuries and also – had been on a team that had Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter. Meaning, let's say Jordan Love had a real chance to win the job, which obviously he he didn't and shouldn't have. It's Rodgers. But that's what Trey Lance is. And he hasn't gotten it done yet. So for that reason, I don't know if it's if it's worth a big investment for a guy like so that. So for that reason, you are out. For that okay. reason, I am lukewarm. On Mr. Uh, Lance, bef- the Niners want to trade him for a reason. That's what I keep coming back to. The Niners would not want to trade him if he was looking to be a good to very good quarterback next year. Well, maybe there's some character concerns. Maybe he's ghosted folks on certain <laughs> obligations, a la CJ Stroud. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to get you, into that. You do that. make a good point. The team that has the quarterback in the building, if they have an opinion on that quarterback, their opinion is important. They're the guy who has him around. So I, I know what you mean there. I, I hear you. So, 877-867-1670. But, yeah, to tie it back, the whole, if Lance is traded, does that mean Rodgers is coming in? I don't see the cause and effect there. I think these can all exist independently and still know that no deadlines have passed. We're a week away from the draft. That's probably going to be when it happens. Speaking of uh, things that aren't related, but something I want to mention before we go to break, did you see the breaking news out of Major League Baseball? Oakland Athletics related? Well, that, no. The left-handed but the pitcher? the western side of the United States. Madison Baumgartner is getting DFA'd. Yeah. And now the D-backs have to eat $34 million remaining on his contract. That's insane. That's a bad contract. Sheesh. People brought up, he, they think he goes to Texas to reunite with Mr. Bochi down there. I think he should come to Milwaukee. Join Wade Miley in no, the most veteran-heavy back end of the rotation ever. Talk about someone who I don't really like their shtick. Madison Bumgarner. That's a big one. Never had. Good take. 877-867-1670. We will continue this when we return. We can take your calls as well. Niners trading Trey Lance reaction. Thoughts on whether it could mean something for Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to the calls when we come back. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.